Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Needs a block on the picker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. Touchdown, Michigan State. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. With Dave Eddy and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. Welcome everybody to this week's edition of Collegiately Speaking from WGNRadio.com. Dave Bennett, joined by former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa and... Let's start right there with your old team, Dan, the uh, Northwestern Wildcats. Big win last week in Michigan State and and finally able to finish a game. It had been a while, and we've sat here every week and said, well, you know, they've got the lead early on Duke, and then they don't score again. They had the lead at halftime on Akron, 21-3, to and then three turnovers lead to three touchdowns. Then they were up 17-zip on Michigan, didn't score again, ended up losing that game by three. But this time, even though they gave the lead up, you had to like the way they were able to get the lead right back, and then their defense did the rest. Absolutely, and I think at the or beginning of the second half, you kind of thought, all right, well, this is the same movie. I think it was a, a three and out or a couple of three and outs and just some struggles on offense, and you're just like, all right, here we go again. But no, to, like you said, to Northwestern's credit, they responded, took the lead back, and, and really finished the game. Um, I thought Clayton played awesome. He had a, you know That first pick was probably a bad decision. The second really wasn't his fault, but I thought the offensive staff had a, had a great game plan as well. They, they weren't going to you know run, try to run the ball against Michigan State's front seven, which is tops in the country, and they kept it on the perimeter. They, they ran a ton of RPO, and um, at the end of the day, Northwestern, both offens- offensively and defensively, they just made plays to win the game, and as we've talked about before, that's what they have been missing. There, there wasn't you know a guy, probably more specifically on offense, that would really go after the ball and make a play. And you know, time and time again, uh, Northwestern and their receivers and running backs made plays. You know, in that Michigan game, we didn't get into this a whole lot. We talked about their struggles offensively, but the fact they had a bunch of balls dropped in the second half, and guys weren't making catches. And in this game. And you come away from it and you think, well, you got to be really encouraged about this receiving core, especially some of these young guys. I mean, Kyrick McGowan gets, gets a big play. We know he's got speed and we know he's able to get open. Uh, and how about this freshman, J.J. Jefferson? I mean, we watched him in Kenosha and you thought, okay, this guy's going to be a weapon someday in this offense. But he's having an impact right now as a true freshman. And I think that kind of came through when I was talking to Fitz before the Akron game. Uh, my biggest question, you know, coming off the Duke game was, are these guys making plays in practice? Like, you, you keep talking about them, and they're not making plays in the games. Is it just something that, you know, they're, they're dropping in practice as well? He's like, no, you know, they're, they're making the plays in practice. And I think that's, that was kind of a root of frustration for Northwestern. So it was good to see them kind of come through and, and, you know, match their practice output with, you know, great plays across the board. I don't know if there was any drop balls, and there were a ton of contested catches that they made that, you know, quite frankly, you need to make to win uh, in East Lansing against a ranked team, and especially with that run defense. I think you look at this team, you've got some really reliable receivers. I mean, you've got Flynn Nagel. You've got Bennett Skorana. You know he'll go up and get the ball, and he, and he often does. 
And I think Cameron Green's another guy who, both as a blocker and as a pass catcher, uh, continues to get better and really give Northwestern an impact player at that position. I agree, and I think Cam Green um, has—he's clearly been the security blanket. No matter you know if things break down, if you need a big third down catch, um, Clayton's looking his way, and it's very clear. And, and Cam's had a great season. I think you know outside of outside of the targeting penalty, which you know probably hurt hurt the Wildcats in, in the second half there a lot versus Duke. He's he's really been you know the unsung hero for this offense, and and kind of a just the consistency that they need at that position. Well, Nebraska comes into Evanston this week. Uh, the Cornhuskers 0-5 in overall. I mean, it's, it's so strange to say that. It sounds so odd. They've lost nine consecutive games. We thought for a perspective on Nebraska, we would ask our friend Jack Mitchell, the morning host at KLIN Radio, the Cornhuskers flagship station in Lincoln, to jump on with us for a couple of minutes. Jack, thank you for your time. And I can only imagine what Cornhuskers fans are thinking right now at 0-5. Are they still encouraged by what they're seeing, or are they just dismayed by the fact that this team hasn't won a game yet? Uh, Dave, Dan, thanks thanks for having me on. It is a, Guys, it is bizarre here. Um, because, of course, yes, you, you've got that sense where you just you've got fans who... Um, there have been some tough times over the last several years, really over the last decade, last decade plus. But to see and hear these numbers, you know, getting close to a calendar year without winning a game, it's just it's it's honestly something that I don't think people ever thought they would they would see in their lifetimes. Meanwhile, you've got this overlay of optimism, which I'm sure you guys sense throughout the off season with Nebraska getting the guy that so many of the fans wanted to come home in Scott Frost and coach this team. And there was kind of a sense of unity in, in a fan base that got divided over a lot of little different things with, with previous coaches and, and things not going well. There was as much unity as you could possibly have uh, and excitement in this fan base coming into the season. And I remember in guys in years, since probably since the Dosborn and Solich days. And so you come into the season with that, and then there's this letdown. And, and you've got the overlay of the, the, the optimism, the hope, the excitement. I, and I think it was an optimism about the future, uh, but nobody, no, nobody expected this. I mean, no one expected this to happen. And so it creates this, uh, and I keep using the word the bizarre, but this bizarre situation where you still have a maintained optimism uh, about the future and thinking Nebraska is generally going in the right direction. Meanwhile, in the present, you've got seemingly everything that could go wrong possibly going wrong in addition to this team not playing up to its its potential and and just making a litany of mistakes that has has really hurt them this year so guys i mean the only way i can describe it is just it's weird it's a weird time <laughs> around here well, Jack, as as a opposing player who came into into Lincoln, it was always kind of weird the way you guys treat everyone else because you're so nice and so encouraging, and it, and it sounds like you know, the fan base for the most part is still pretty encouraging and, and has some optimism. But is is any are you hearing crickets of did we make the right decision? Is there any you know looking back? Because I, I agree with you, the the energy and the optimism was palpable here in Chicago for the Nebraska team. Is there anybody whispering you know hey you know should we have taken a second look at Frost? Do we overestimate his ability? Or is it just, you know, now that he's, at least he says the team's improving, that you're past that? Or is there any right. whisper of, of something like, oh, man, we made the wrong decision here? 
Dan, not really. You know, I mean, I, 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 every once in a while you'll have a, a, a one-off of, of somebody that's that I think is is kind of trolling, but that's not right. really. I don't think uh, a, a situation where, anyway, by and large, ninety-nine point nine nine percent of of the fan base is still sold, absolutely sold, going forward, and realizing this is going to be a process, maybe a process a little bit longer than they thought. And, and you know, every once in a while, I've, I've uh, hosted a couple of post-game shows, and there'll be, there'll be callers, or you'll see things on social media saying, well, oh, the people that are out on Frost shouldn't be out on Frost. You need to stick to it. I think that's kind of a straw man. I, I just, I don't really hear that argument being legitimately proffered by anyone right now as it pertains to Frost. I don't, I don't think anyone, I've, I've seriously heard that argument that, that Nebraska went in, in the wrong direction. And, and there's there was a lot of talk this at the beginning of the year by Frost, by the fans, about some willingness to be patient with this year. Now, I think when they pictured patience, they were picturing right like a, a 500 season, maybe not winning the division, that kind of thing. A, a, a situation where we're talking about, you know, a two-win season, a true possibility, that's not the kind of patience that was expected. Nonetheless, I don't think people are changing their minds about where they were you know, two months ago, six months ago about this hire in general. I agree. And it's fair, right? You know, there's, there is some process with any, any coaching change and hearing coach Frost talk, um, after last week's game, he talked about, you know, a lot less mistakes, you know, players playing a lot harder, getting closer to the finished product they're looking for. Is that coach speak or do you actually see that on the field? You know, you you see it in glimpses. The, the frustrating thing I think for this fan base is, you never put together those glimpses, especially on both sides of the ball. You know, you, the defense played uh, fairly well at, at the beginning of the year uh, against Colorado and Troy, and then uh, wheels completely fall off against Michigan, and they haven't looked like they, they did um, a whole lot uh, the rest of the year. And then defense has a couple of – they hold Wisconsin to field goals on those first two drives, and, you know, just kind of imagining that with Wisconsin's offense was – was exciting to Nebraska fans, and you thought, okay, there's a little hope here, but the offense was stalling. Second half or the end of the second quarter, offense gets going a little bit, and then the defense uh, it just isn't able to keep up the momentum. They haven't been able to put together those glimpses. I think they're there, Dan, and especially probably on offense, but they're not consistent, and they don't match up on both sides of the ball. Uh, and, and I think that's the... That's the thing. If if they can ever do that, and I, and I don't know if if they they will on Saturday. I don't know if they will this season. But if they ever do take the good parts of the glimpses that you've seen from a game, they'll be able to put together a, a game and and be able to compete with uh, with anybody probably in the, in the Big Big Ten West at least remaining on their schedule, maybe outside of. Ohio State, but until they do it, I think there are a lot of people who are just saying, show me. Well, I think everybody fears their offense. Uh, Adrian Martinez is dangerous. He's shown that back-to-back 400-yard total offense games, and J.D. Spielman had a huge game on Saturday. Uh, what do fans, uh, Jack, before we let you go, what do Nebraska fans expect to happen this weekend in Evanston? Um, I, you know, I think there, they, there's a, a little bit of optimism about those glimpses at the end. And, and, and Wisconsin had a defensive backfield that, frankly, was really, really thin with injuries, and there was an ejection as well. But, but at the end of that game, Nebraska's offense was having a lot of success against uh, Wisconsin defense that I think um, people expected to be pretty stout, especially passing the ball. And when Adrian Martinez got out and ran a little bit, but the caveat to that is – and, and, and Dave, we've talked about this before already this week, is is that 
the offensive line has really had issues protecting whether it was Andrew Bunch earlier in the year or Adrian Martinez at quarterback. And when he, he, they've not been able to have that time, and there have been games, I mean, you look at the Purdue game, you certainly look at the Michigan game, where, I mean, you, you don't even have time, you don't even have a, a, a second, uh, and you've got people in, in, in your face, and, and Dan knows this as well as anybody, Man, you've got great plans until you got three defensive linemen right in your face, and that's been a big problem is, is keeping that pressure down. So I think the thought is, yeah, this offense certainly has got potential to be explosive. This, they played guys to a, a level that's under where their skill positions probably are, the skill positions. Now that's Martinez, that's, as you mentioned, J.D. Spielman, uh, true freshman Reese Washington, uh, who had a really good game against Wisconsin, then Stanley Morgan, um, has been incredibly quiet this year. He's a play-it-on-Sunday type guy. Um, but it, it all starts and ends with whether or not that offensive line is going to keep the offense from being completely under duress throughout a game on Saturday. Well, Northwestern's front seven's pretty good, too. So this will be interesting to watch. And as we know, the road team usually wins this game. So we'll see yeah. what happens. That's right, Jack, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. Hey, Dave, Dan, enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Jack Mitchell from KLIN in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's weird. Seven times they've met since Nebraska came into the Big Ten. Dan, you were part of it. And Northwestern went out there in 2011 and won that first meeting in Lincoln. And the Wildcats have won three times out there, and they've lost one. And the one they lost, they should have won if they could have stopped Amir Abdullah on fourth down. And then a Hail Mary beats them. But other than that, They've played great in Lincoln, and Nebraska's come into Evanston and won each time. But this might be, you look at it on one hand and think, okay, Northwestern, maybe they finally figured things out last week at Michigan State. On the other hand, Nebraska is a dangerous team. I agree. And to to Jack's point, I mean, I think their skill guys are so talented, starting with Martinez. I think watching him play against Colorado and, and in the other games you talked about with over 400 yards, I think he's going to be a really special player over the next couple of years. Maybe not so much this year, but he's people keep forgetting that he's a true freshman. I mean, he's to play as a true freshman as, as well as he's playing is is pretty remarkable. And yeah, I think you know Spielman, Stanley Morgan, those are those are really talented guys. And like you said, there's always something weird that happens in this matchup. So I'm expecting it to be a close game. I think the line came out at like eight and a half, and now it's at three and a half. And, and Northwestern never plays well when they're a big, big favorite at home. So it, it's going to be close, like everything, everything else. Homecoming for Northwestern. So hopefully, you know, we keep some of the red out of of the stadium. But yeah, no, it's going to be a great, great game no matter what. And, and let's face it, in Nebraska, as far as the Scott Frost thing. Uh, Bo Pelini never won fewer than nine games in a season. Where did that get him? Right, right. Youngstown State. So, right. all right, let's go to Iowa and the Hawkeyes with 48 points in the battle for Floyd of Rosedale last week against Minnesota. And you know, I, I keep looking at Iowa, Dan. I keep thinking, okay, when's this Hawkeye team going to stumble? They they're right there with Wisconsin until some problems on a punt, and and then the Badgers are able to escape with a win. But uh, they keep figuring out ways to win games, and it looks like their offense is getting better every week. I agree, and I think more than anything, it, as we talked about a little bit before the show, before the show, Minnesota's defense probably isn't as as good as we thought um, earlier on the season because they started very strong. But I think you know, 
if you look at the Iowa teams over the past couple years, they'll always have those games where they're scoring six or 12 points and, and winning or losing. But at the same time, they could wake up in the morning and go for 48 or 50, however many against Ohio State last year. Um, they still have talented guys. I think Nate Stanley's a really good quarterback. He's, he can, he can throw it a mile and they have a lot of weapons at tight end and, um, with, with Noah Fan and a few others. And, you know, I think they're, they're just a dangerous team, especially when they're playing at home. Um, obviously they had a big win on the road last week, but, but, yeah, I think the Big Ten West is, is so wide open that they're going to continue to improve. A Kirk Ferentz team always continues to improve as, as the season goes on. So I think you know everyone they, they play um, is, is going to get a run for their money, and I think they're going to end up towards the top of the Big Ten West at the end of the day. All right, let's flip to the East and uh, Michigan, which will be playing Wisconsin out of the West in a crossover game this week. And I, I think you've pointed this out. You look at... Michigan's schedule. Uh, they let Maryland hang with them for a while, ended up doubling the score on them after the comeback win at Northwestern, which really so far since the Notre Dame game, that's that's been their toughest game. But you look at what's ahead of them. Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, their next three games. They do have a bye week there before that Penn State game, but uh, Michigan State in East Lansing, rivalry game for them. And uh, and then and doesn't end very easily either because they come back with after Rutgers, uh, Indiana at home, Ohio State in Columbus, and we kind of know how that movie has played out the last few years. Yeah, I think the the pressure is really going to be on Harbaugh, and, and he's obviously like any everyone would imagine focused week by week. But you know, if they drop a couple of these games here, they then get blown out at Ohio State. Are the Michigan fans really going to be satisfied? That's that's the question. I think they they've struggled to get over the hump the last couple of years, and they're paying them so much money. Um, and fans expect result, results. I think they got a, a lot of hope early because of what he did in the first couple of seasons. But you know, they they've been kind of they haven't won any big games. And I think if they if they stumble in this gauntlet to you know two of the three teams and lose Ohio State. I don't know. Will they start calling for Harbaugh's head? I don't know. I don't have as many Michigan friends. Probably, are, probably yeah. right. You would think. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Wisconsin. While the lines, I think it's at close to nine right now, and Vegas isn't expecting to be that close. But I think Wisconsin has a really good chance of going in there and upsetting them. Michigan's just it, it's been a hard team to to kind of monitor because they've they've played some close games with Northwestern and and Notre Dame. But at the same time, they've blown the doors off teams too. So you're you're just kind of like, what what team are we going to get? Um, but they're playing at home, so they, they typically have a ton of energy there. So it, it, it'll be a tough matchup. Obviously, Wisconsin's strength is their running game. Right. And we've seen Michigan's run defense is very good. Right. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is going to carry the load for Wisconsin. This one, you would think. But, you know, you watch Hornibrook, and, and people have kind of dissed him since he came onto the scene in Madison. But all he's done, basically, is go out and win football games. I think he's going to have a great game. Like we talked about a, a few weeks ago, anytime people kind of get down on, on Hornerbrook, he, he finds a way to have a really big game. And one thing, you know, if Wisconsin is able to get the running game going, I think that's the way to take the crowd out of the game. If they can sustain drives, hold on to the ball, chew up time, and Hornerbrook can make a couple throws without making mistakes, I think Wisconsin is going to win. So it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on, on Shea Patterson to continue his, his improvement and, and spark that offense. But um, I'm looking forward to the game. You know, it's kind of interesting with the Wisconsin. This is where we get back to this Northwestern-Nebraska game and what lies ahead for Northwestern. Because at 2-1 in the conference, 
favorites this week at home over Nebraska. They'll be favored on the road next week at Rutgers. So they could conceivably be at 4-1 and one with Wisconsin coming to Evanston. And then you, you look down the road of the schedule. Yeah, Northwestern's got to go to Iowa. They go to Minnesota. Wisconsin still has to go to Penn State in the month of November. Uh, you know, that, that Notre Dame-Northwestern game is is going to get an awful lot of attention. Uh, it's it's a good area game. Obviously, it's, it's a game that hasn't been played in a long time uh, in Evanston. But, but if you look at Northwestern's hopes in the Big Ten West, that game of their final ha- handful of games, that's the one that matters the least, really, if they want to try to win the Big Ten West. Yeah, and it just goes back to the the non conference versus the conference. Right? Yeah. They could they could drop three out three out of four non conference games and then pretty much win the Big Ten West, which is which is amazing. Um, but Fitz is I know Fitz is probably not recommended. Not recommended. Not recommended for a fan base for that roller coaster ride. Right. But I, you know Fitz has been telling them all of all of their goals are still ahead of them, and they still control their own destiny at this point, which um, which is pretty special. Seeing how they came out and, and kind of had a tough start to the to the season. All right, real quick: Michigan State and Penn State, and the Land Grant game, and the Spartans. I you know, I think they're better than the result last week. And I know they've they've dropped a couple of games. People thought they would win the, the Arizona State game. I mean, that's one that we knew that was going to be a tough game for them going in. Northwestern is really had kind of had their number. I mean, you look over the last yeah. 19 years, or I think that's what it is, 19 years, they have a winning record against Michigan State, and they've beaten them three straight times. But Penn State going in there, and Penn State's coming off a bye, this is going to be a tough game for them. I don't know how the Spartans get out of there with a win. It's just Penn State, like you say, coming off a bye, Michigan State coming off a, a tough loss to Northwestern, going in there. Um, you know, the mid afternoon game, and now it'll get darker towards the end, and it becomes kind of a de facto night game at, at towards the end of the game. So I, I don't know how they get out of there alive. Um, and then, you know, they, Michigan State could start tumbling too. You know, then they got game. Michigan. Right. And right. They, they just have a, a lot of tough opponents ahead of them. I just, yeah. it's going to be a tough way. All right. Uh, big game in the SEC this week. What do you think about LSU and Georgia? It's going to be fun to watch. I think um, Georgia hasn't really been tested yet this season, um, and, and it's funny, right? In the SEC especially, they're kind of tilting the the quarterback uh, controversy mantra on its head because, you know, both at Alabama and um, and at Georgia, and Clemson's not in the SEC, but the same kind of thing. You have guys that have taken their teams to college football playoffs that are now out of a job or, you know, in supposed controversies. Uh, Childs in in Georgia has played a little bit. I think Jake Fromm's one of the most efficient passers in the country. I don't know how you take him out of the game. He's he's just playing so well right now, um, and they're controlling the ball. But you know, the other quarterback Childs gives them the or is it Fields? It's one I can't remember the, his last name. Um, but they give them such a different different dimension, um, and it's it's going to be fun to watch LSU. The same kind of thing. They had a big win against Miami, lost to Florida. Um, this is a huge game for them if they want to stay in, in contention in the West. All right, let's get to our picks for this week. And uh, each week we each take one game. Not last week, I predicted that Indiana would keep it close against Ohio State. They kind of did, kind of, kind of, sort of did, but until they didn't, until they did not. Right. So uh, this week. Iowa plays at Indiana. I think this is a difficult game for the Hawkeyes. The Hoosiers have played well, 
but not quite well. I mean, they again, they played well for a while at Ohio State, but I think they're an improved team. And I'm taking Indiana to knock off Iowa this week. Interesting. Interesting. I think my pick last week was that Iowa would blow out Minnesota, and I, I was right there. So I'm yeah. going I'm going to go back to the game we were talking about before. I think Wisconsin goes into Ann Arbor, big underdogs, and, and wins that game. All right. You know what time it is. It's time for Super Joe's Prediction of the Week. Prediction. To say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super, Super Joe's Predictions. All right. Back in the win column last week. You know, Notre Dame went went to Blacksburg, took care of business. This week is a little different. I feel like I'm picking next week instead of this week. Uh, and what I mean by that, I'm, I'm going to uh, the, the team that we saw recently, Dave, in East Lansing, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Uh, wheels are starting to fall off a little bit. But uh, if I know Mark D'Antonio well, I know that that guy has one game circled on his schedule, and that's Michigan. And I feel like, you know, the season is basically lost. They're going to go to Penn State, get their doors blown off, be a super dog uh, at home against Michigan next week. Um, So basically my prediction is that, you know, Michigan State gets back on track next week, but this week uh, it it doesn't go well in Happy Valley. You know, Penn State's coming off the bye. It's uh, it's going to get ugly out there. That that's pretty good. I kind of feel like we got two Super Joe predictions to week <laughs> right. this week. It's hard to keep track. Or the predictions for two weeks. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, good. two for one. That was good. And the second one's free, so that's good. All right. Well, I, I think want you they, one free. I think they all are. All right. Next week, uh, that Michigan-Michigan State game that Super Joe just mentioned, also Penn State at Indiana, which, depending on what happens in that Iowa-Indiana game, uh, could be kind of interesting. And uh, a night game at West Lafayette next week. We'll talk about uh, Ohio State playing at Purdue. That could be sort of a fun game to watch. And we'll see if the Boilermakers, who are playing better, have enough firepower to uh, to give the Buckeyes a game under the lights at Ross Lots Stadium. of points in that one. Lots would, of points. Yeah, wouldn't you think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Final thoughts, Big Dan, as we head into the weekend? Hoping the Northwestern Wildcats can, can get that win and, and keep themselves in, in contention for the Big Ten West. It could be, like you said, fun to watch down the stretch and make it interesting with Wisconsin and Iowa. And I think, you know, I hope Wisconsin goes in and, and get proves me right and gets that big win in Michigan. Now for your sake, I hope you're right. right. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's Collegiately Speaking. That's Dan Persa. Thanks to Super Joe Romano, our producer and super prognosticator. I'm Dave Bennett. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you again next week.